In the salvation process, who chooses whom? Does man choose God and then God reacts and chooses man? Or is it the other way around? Does God choose man and then man in turn chooses God? What we're going to talk about in this upcoming episode is the doctrine of election. And we're going to talk about the majority report of what people believe versus the minority report. That's coming up next on Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Stay tuned. Hey, what I want to discuss in this episode is who chose whom. And what I mean by that is did man choose God and then God in turn chose him or did God choose man and subsequently man chose God let me provide some context you're going to have to stay with me on this because the information that I'm going to be given in this episode is very rich in theological terms all right so what I am talking about specifically is election or what scholars call the doctrine of election and what most believe or what the majority report and evangelicalism believes is that in the election process God looks through the corridors of time and he sees who's going to receive him and based on what he foresees because of his foreknowledge he then chooses that individual ahead of time for salvation all right so that is the majority report but is that majority report is it biblical I'm going to argue that it is not biblical and I will of course be able to argue my point of view from the scripture and I have several scriptures that I can cite to prove my case so if you believe in the majority report that man chooses God and then God subsequently chooses him because he knows what man is going to do before man is ever born then you believe in what's commonly called or or rather may what may not be commonly called faith dictating election all right faith dictating election what does that mean that means that the faith of man is what prompts or moves god to choose him in eternity past to be saved in time and in space at the precise and particular time that God determines all right so if faith is dictating election then that means that man is the one who is calling the shots in the election process of God and I will submit to you that that is not biblical there's nowhere in scripture where it says that God came to man or rather that man came to God and then God subsequently chose him because man had 
it within his own being to incline himself to faith or that he had the moral capability to come to God on his own. That is totally foreign and antithetical to the biblical narrative. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and in Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 it says man is dead in his trespasses and sins. All right. So man being that he's spiritually dead can't do anything or can never incline himself to God unless God quickens him or makes him alive. That is actually what is meant by being born again. It means that you're born from above. So unless God quickens the dead, like he did with Lazarus, where Lazarus was dead and Jesus commanded Lazarus to come forth and Lazarus came because Lazarus being dead couldn't bring himself up from the dead. God had to infuse him with life in order for him to raise up from the dead and walk out of his grave. As we witness when we read uh, John's gospel in the 11th chapter. All right. So just like God had to command Lazarus to get up and raise from the dead, God spiritually has to tell the dead and trespasses sinner to do the same thing in order for him or her to have life. You follow what I'm saying? So actually the opposite is true. It's not the faith of man dictating election. Rather, it is the election of God that dictates the faith of man. All right. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, God's choosing of those whom he sovereignly decides to choose by election is what dictates man's faith in him. Okay, so herein lies the process. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world. So what that means is God in his foreknowledge, he's not looking down the corridors of time, seeing who's going to receive him and who's going to reject him. And based on that foreknowledge, he decides to choose and decides to reject those before they're born. God sovereignly chooses based on his own purpose and will. It's totally un uninfluenced. In other words, man doesn't do anything to persuade God to choose or not to choose him. God decides who's going to be in the kingdom of God and God decides who he, whom he's going to pass by. That is something that God decides alone. That is a mystery. Why God chooses some and not others in the mind of man seems unfair emotionally <laughs> and just on a human level, it seems unfair that God would choose some and not choose others. Now, this is a very huge uh, sticking point in evangelical circles. Those that, that teach and believe in the doctrine of election are commonly called Calvinists. And those who do not believe in the doctrine of election in the way that the Bible teaches it, are oftentimes referred to as Arminians. And 
Calvinists are, of course, named after John Calvin, the uh, 16th century reformer, and Arminians are named after James or Jacob Arminius, who was born in the 17th century. And these two individuals, whom I don't believe knew one another, had opposing views. So the followers of John Calvin would would be labeled as Calvinists, and the followers of um, Arminius would be labeled as Arminians. So there's two different camps with two uh, different views. So like I mentioned to you at the beginning of the episode, the majority report is that, number one, God looks through, looks through the corridor of time and sees who's going to receive him and who's going to reject him when, when that person hears the gospel message. And based on their response would determine their election or their non-election. All right. And that's simply not true. That's not what foreknowledge means at all. Not biblically speaking. God decides of his, like I said, of his own free will, of his divine initiative type of will. He decides whom is going to be a recipient of his grace. And it's not an unfair thing for God to do because we all deserve damnation. We all deserve eternal punishment. So for God to save some and not to save all is an extraordinary act of mercy. Now, we as human beings don't know who's been elect and who has not been elect because God has kept that as a secret to himself. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, it says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things which have, have been revealed belong to us and to our children that we may do all the words of this law. So there are things that God has decided to not tell us, and he's not obligated to do that because he's God. It's Proverbs chapter 25, I believe, that says this. It says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Once again, you're talking about God's sovereignty at work. God deciding that since he is completely sovereign and he's master of the universe, he can decide what he wants to reveal to man. And he also has the right to decide what he will conceal or not reveal to us. It's totally his call completely. So going back here to the doctrine of election, let me read a passage of scripture that amplifies the point about God choosing us versus us choosing him. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He was talking to the apostles in particular, that you go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. In other words, remember when Jesus began his public ministry, he's the one that called the apostles to himself. In other words, uh, he said, come and follow me. In other words, they didn't approach him first, he approached them and they followed him. So that is a very clear example of what I'm describing here is that him choosing those whom God gave to him to go and redeem. Let me read you another passage of scripture, John chapter six, verse 37. It says this, 
all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And those who come to me, I will not cast out or will not turn away or will not despise. In other words, God has given the Son a command of people, a, a humanity that he had to come and save. The reason why Jesus designated certain people during his earthly ministry because God the Father revealed to him in eternity past, these are the individuals that I want you to target. These are the ones that I want, I need for you to go and rescue. Now, what about the rest? There are other, I mean, everybody needs rescue, right? Yeah, that's true, but God in his um, sovereignty has decided that there are those whom will be recipients of his saving grace and there are those who are gonna be recipients of his judgment. Now that's where it gets very hard and sticky because God for some reason, you know, because of his because of his own predetermined will has decided that he's not going to save everyone. And also understand this, not everybody wants to be saved. So everybody is going to get exactly what they want. God is going to get the glory for saving those whom he has chosen and man is going to get what he wants. He gets to rebel and blaspheme and revile and despise God and the people who follow God. So everybody in the end gets, gets what they want. You follow what I'm saying? They, everybody gets what they want. And as um, one theologian who's passed away indicated, his name was actually Norman Geisler, he said, for those who hate God, if they were forced to go to heaven against their will, heaven for them would be worse than hell. Because he gave this type of example. He said, say for instance, a person who hates going to church just for an hour, you know, how worse would it be for them if they had to go to heaven and hear people praising God for an eternity? If they hate God here on earth and don't want to have anything to do with him on earth, they certainly don't want to have to spend an eternity with him. So for that type of unrepentant, uh, incorrigible type of person, heaven for them would be worse than hell because they will be with the person and the people that they hate the most. They would rather go to hell and God is loving enough to let a person exercise their free will to reject him and to be cast out of his presence forever. That's love. As strange as it may sound, that is actually love. So the point that I'm trying to drive home once again is that God will get what he wants and evil, corrupt man will ultimately get what he wants now mind you once man is cast into the eternal lake of fire he's going to have eternal regret but it will be too late for him you follow what i'm saying so some of this is it, it, i know it's hard to accept it's painful to hear but it's what god has decided and and here's the other thing the opportunity for salvation 
mind you, is available to everyone at the same time, even though God has decided whom he's going to save, the opportunity is still available to anybody who will repent and believe. God is not preventing anyone from coming to him. He's not preventing anyone, but God knowing all things also knows who's going to receive him and who's going to reject him. But yet again, I need to stress this point once more. That is not the basis on which God chooses man or not choose man. He's not basing it on on what he knows we will do. He's basing it on what he has decided he will do or what he has already done before the world was ever created. Please understand me. That's the whole thing about foreknowledge and predestination and election. God predetermined who he would save, who would be in the kingdom. And he also decided who he would pass by and reserve for judgment. Not because he doesn't want man to repent, but because God is also going to receive not only glory for those whom he saves, he's going to receive glory for those whom he also condemns and punishes. Let me reiterate, please let me reiterate, we're all on the same playing field when it comes to sin. We're all in the same boat. You follow what I'm saying? We all deserve damnation. We all deserve punishment. But because God is merciful and loving and long-suffering, he decided in eternity past, I'm going to provide an escape. I'm going to provide only one way to get to me, and that is through my son, Jesus Christ, who I'm going to send, and he will be the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29. So the world is under condemnation, and justly so. But God has provided the way, the truth, and the life through Jesus Christ, John chapter 14, verse 6, you recall. And so man has the opportunity to repent that is going to be extended to all men. Most people will reject that truth because it goes against their worldview and it goes against their ethics and because they have a corrupt nature. The idea of turning away from sin and turning to God is not something that man generally wants to do. You follow what I'm saying? So in the overall, it's like this. God chooses man. Man doesn't choose God. Because man left to himself will never come to the Lord. John chapter 6 verse 44 tells us this. He says, Jesus said this. He says, no man can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And in the 65th verse of that same chapter, he reiterates himself. He repeats himself. He says, no man can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. So it talks about man's absolute inability. And to kind of 
piggyback on that point that Jesus made, I need to go over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and it talks, and it uses that same type of uh, language. So we're going to go over to Romans chapter 3, because it talks about how man is a sinner, and he falls short of the glory of God. All right? Romans chapter 3 says this. Let's start with verse. I'm just, let me look at let, let me look at verse ten. It says, "As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There is none. Listen to this. That seeks after God. That's what's called a universal negative. It says none seek after God. That's a uner universal negative. They've all turned aside." They are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not so much as one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's actually Romans chapter 3 verses 10 to 18. And then the 23rd verse, I need to read that one. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's man's universal diagnosis. Man is a corrupt, perverted, hopeless being without the power of God bringing him from death to life, spiritually, that is. So that is why we need the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God the Father sent him so that he could bring dead men back to life. Because if you don't have the Lord, you are literally a dead man walking. You are a zombie. You have animation. You can move your arms, your limbs. You can speak but you are a tomb inside. You are a grave. You have no life on the inside of you, so you are a dead man or dead woman, dead boy, dead girl walking. And the only way that you can have life is for God to revive you, to quicken you, to infuse his life into your into your body, into your heart and your soul so that you will become a recipient of the kingdom. But right now, if you're not in Christ, you're a dead person walking. Every single day of your life, you're dead on the inside. You have no life because you don't have him. John said it this way. Actually, at the end of uh, John uh, chapter 3, he says, He that has a son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. And here's the tragic end. He says, but the wrath of God abides on him. That is your situation. That is your status, your your life as it is right now if you don't have the Lord. And so God chooses whom he will save. Listen to this. God chooses whom he will save. God knows who's going to be saved. 
all right? And then number three, we have to believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. All three mysteriously work together. I'll, I'll repeat them once again as I close. God chooses who will be saved. That's God's div divine prerogative to do that. He chooses whom we will be saved. Now, none of us deserve it, but God sovereignly chooses. Number two, he knows who's going to be saved. And number three, we have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to receive salvation. All right. Brother Dale, Gospel of Repentance Ministries. We'll talk sooner than later.